Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. 1988's Coming to America, directed by John Landis, stars Eddie Murphy at the height of his 80s fame as Prince Akeem, who journeys from the African nation of Zamunda to Queens, New York, the most suitable place to find a woman who could marry a king. And Michael and I watched this movie. We certainly did. And uh, before we get started with the business at hand, I would like to uh, take a moment to give a very strong shout out to my very cool and awesome coworker, Denise, who was the person who brought it to my attention that there is a little tiny bit of skateboarding in this movie. So thank you, Denise. And hello. Thank you, Denise, uh, especially for giving us an excuse to watch this film because it was goddamn delightful. It really is just an absolutely delightful film. I loved it. Before we get into all of that, I do want to talk a little bit about just how staggeringly popular Eddie Murphy was in the 1980s, especially in the years leading up to this film. Yeah, he was a a different kind of famous. I think, uh, obviously, it's it's no secret that he, he first was brought to most people's attention on Saturday Night Live, where he was part of the cast that replaced the original cast right like he, he came he wasn't he didn't come on immediately after the original cast but he came on shortly thereafter and uh i think uh he is widely considered with being the person who single-handedly saved that show from cancellation the stuff that he does on his run of saturday night live i i think there's i have a special connection the things that are funny in a way that it never occurred to you that they could be funny before like his take on gumby Imagine him telling me where I can pop and where I cannot pop. I'm Gumby, damn it! You don't talk to me that way! Like, like, where does that come from? How do you make that decision about Gumby? And you know what I mean? It's like, it, it like, uncovers, it, like, unearths this level of, of comedy that I, I just, it's like when you recognize it immediately as something that you recognize as funny, but you can't fathom how... You arrive there. I think he's sort of the master of that. And, and it's like uh, even even something like I remember as as a very young kid, knowing that there was a show called Saturday Night Live and there was a person called Eddie Murphy on it who was yeah. doing like a parody of Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. Um, only it was a little naughty and just thinking like and wanting to stay up to watch Eddie Murphy. Like I was not aware of Saturday Night Live during, like during, with the original cast. But right. I, I first became like aware of the show uh, when Eddie Murphy was on it. And I, th- I think at one point he was so popular that he hosted the show as a cast member. Yeah. Was it like somebody canceled and he was like, I'll host. <laughs> I think somebody canceled. Yeah. And 48 hours had just come out. It was a huge hit. And I don't think he said I'll host. I think uh, Dick Ebersall, the producer, was like, well, we have a star of the biggest movie in America right here. Let's have Eddie host. And I think instead of live from New York, it's Saturday night. He said live from New York. It's the Eddie Murphy show. Oh, geez. <laughs> but I know you people tune in to see one of the stars of 48 hours host the show. And damn it, you're going to see it because I'm the host of the show. Live from New York. It's the Eddie Murphy show. <laughs> Apparently that was not popular with his fellow <laughs> cast members. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that might that might rankle. <laughs> it's also, I think, telling like he was very young when he sh- became 
like obscenely famous. He was probably, I think he was 21 when he filmed 48 hours. Um, so he was even, I think even younger than that when he started on Saturday night live. So, right. You know, I, I think when you become that famous, that young, uh, you know, mistakes will be made, but sure. Well, but even that early, early footage, we've all seen the early footage of him doing stand up at like 16, the bit about the Amityville horror. I mean, that, that is, I, you know, it's funny that you, you were talking about like becoming aware of Saturday night live because of the phenomenon of Eddie Murphy. I did a lot of like watching stand-up comedy on like HBO, you know, the young comedians, all-star special. And I remember seeing that and thinking like the age that he was at the time that he, that he was doing that stuff. It's, it's unfathomable to think that you could kind of have your worldview that much in order at that age. And then also, yeah, kind of become probably a a bit of a pain in the ass because of it. Right. Yeah, And uh, he did 48 hours and then he did trading places, uh, all, which is also directed by John Landis with Dan Aykroyd, who was from the original Saturday Night Live cast. Uh, And then, you know, I think he he did a movie called Best Defense with Dudley Moore that no one really talks about. But I, and I think the story behind Best Defense is it was finished and they looked at it and were like, this is terrible. Eddie Murphy's hot. Let's write a bunch of scenes and dump him into the movie and cut out half of the movie as it exists. Really? Yeah. So I don't think it, it makes any sense. So like it stars Eddie Murphy and Dudley Moore and they share no scenes together <laughs> you know it's funny because the only thing i remember i remember i can very vividly see the poster for that movie but i can't i don't know anything about it i can't. and I, I think at one point eddie murphy referred to best defense as like the worst movie ever made by anybody anywhere and after i did 48 hours in trading places all these scripts started coming from everywhere and i picked up a script called best defense here's a movie that sucked real bad <laughs> At first, I wasn't going to do it because I read the script and I felt like I was an actor at first. But the money they gave me to do it, y'all would have did Best Defense too, okay? <laughs> but they, I read the script at first and the script was terrible. I was like, what? How dare you give me a script like this? Oh, that much money? Let's go. <laughs> so I read the script for Best Defense. I went out and did Best Defense. Best Defense turned out to be the worst movie ever done in the history of anything. But then and- after that, he did Beverly Hills Cop, which was like hugely popular i think it was the most popular movie of the year it came out if it wasn't that movie i can't imagine what movie it would have been like that and in tandem with that he's doing uh like he you know he at that point he was so popular that he you know even a movie like the golden child which is not a good movie like was a huge hit um and is right because he was doing like a weird action adventure fantasy film um, and in tandem with all this, he's doing stand-up comedy, which is one of those things where, like, when I was a kid, I thought Eddie Murphy's stand-up comedy was so funny. Um, it is not aged. Bits of it have not <laughs> aged well at all. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, but there's stuff where you're watching it like, oh, bud. <laughs> it's a... It's weird, like, especially, I think, around the time of, coming to america he put out the ross like eddie murphy raw special which was like a huge big deal event and one of the things i think you can say about eddie murphy raw is that it is uh on the mount rushmore of misogyny yes yeah yeah and then around that time he does this movie coming to america which is weirdly you know kind of sweet and yeah I'm not going to say it's like the most progressive movie 
about like in terms of its relation to women but if you put it up against eddie murphy raw it is the most progressive movie <laughs> ever made about women. Like right. it's this movie is weirdly sweet. And I feel like, like there are a few reasons for that. I think, uh, I think he was looking maybe to stretch a bit and to do something different. And I think he still liked to do like really out there wacky stuff, but he realized he could do that by playing peripheral characters as well as the main character under a lot of makeup done by, uh, makeup artist rick baker which is like masterfully done and uh it's also i think the first eddie murphy movie where i think in all of his previous movies he played a black character who was traversing through spaces that were predominantly white it was either explicitly dealing with racism or it was subtext right and coming to america has like almost an entirely black cast and it allows the movie to be about other things. Right, right. I also, it, it's it's interesting, th- this time watching it, I was really interested in the choices, not only that Eddie Murphy made about his character being sort of this naive, a sh- sort of a sheltered person who kind of wanted to find out what else there was in the world. Oh, it is my 21st birthday. Do you think perhaps just once I might use the bathroom by myself? Most amusing, sir. Wipers! But I also thought the choices that they made for for Arsenio Hall's character was really, really helpful in, in sort of creating a, an empathetic character because he was a little bit more world weary and a little bit sort of like kind of almost playing to the camera. Like, are you fucking kidding me with, the, you know, with this sort of this naive worldview? And it really helped the story, I think, like like the, the choices that he made about with that character. I think so, because the Akeem character is naive because he's a fish out of water, but he's never dumb. Right. And I think that it's interesting. You compare it to someone like like Axel Foley in the first Beverly Hills cop who like shows up in Beverly Hills and is essentially Groucho Marx in a city full of Margaret Dumont's. It's <laughs> just everyone is the butt of his joke. Yes. Like he is just having a blast with everyone. And Another thing that struck me watching Coming to America, like compared to Beverly Hills Cop, is Eddie Murphy steamrolls over every other performer in Beverly Hills Cop through sheer force of charisma. Like the only person in that entire movie who is able to hold their own on screen with him is Bronson Pinchot. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. And Bronson Pinchot is in like a couple scenes as this minor character, but he's the only one who you're like, oh, these are two people who are sharing a scene together. Every other moment of that film, uh, it's just Eddie Murphy as a, a tom- an atomic charisma bomb. Right, right. Just just devouring every scene. Um, whereas in this movie, in Coming to America, it's the casting is is really smart. And so, like, James Earl Jones as his father... James Earl Jones isn't as funny as Eddie Murphy, but James Earl Jones can command a screen and hold his own with Eddie Murphy, either play a straight man or when he does have a line that's kind of funny, you know, because it's James Earl Jones saying it, it's all the funnier. Time does fly fast, my son. It seems only yesterday I ordered your first diaper changed and now you're a man who's about to be married. I think that that trickles down like around a lot of the cast. I think uh, John Amos as the father of the woman he falls for, the owner of McDowell's is great in this movie. Like there are so many 
great performances in this movie. Oh my God. Um, and this is the first Eddie Murphy movie, I think, where he's a romantic lead. Like in Beverly Hills Cop, there's uh, you know, there's his friend from from Detroit who in any other movie, if say Sylvester Stallone started in Beverly Hills Cop, like it was originally planned, he would have gotten together with that woman by the end of the movie. And right, right. Like they just because Hollywood was so weirdly racist in the eighties, it wasn't happening until, until this movie where suddenly he became a romantic lead. You know, it's, I hadn't, I actually hadn't thought about that about Beverly Hills Cop, but you're right. Like they, it, they maintain that they are friends from Detroit. It had a never occurred to me until you said that, that it wasn't a romantic relationship. And it also hadn't occurred to me that it was probably because of racism in Hollywood. And that's, that's an interesting, I, yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but it's totally true. And same thing with, with trading places like Dan Aykroyd gets together with Jamie Lee Curtis, but Eddie Murphy's character doesn't. And it's, Oh, it's only in this one. And I think it's because, I mean, partly because at this point, Eddie Murphy was one of the most powerful people in Hollywood and could do whatever he wanted. And it worked to great effect in coming to America because I loved watching this movie. I thought this movie was, I thought it was, it worked as a romantic comedy. I thought it worked as a fairy tale. I thought it worked as just a straight laugh out loud comedy. I right. like you had mentioned uh, when we covered big last week, like if you're flipping through channels, which is not something people do anymore. And you come across big 10 minutes in, you're watching the rest of big. And I'm not sure I would do that. But if I'm flipping through channels and I come across Coming to America 10 minutes in, I'm watching the rest of Coming to America to the point where, like, I've seen this movie a few times. I don't think I've seen the first 10 minutes of this movie since it first came out. <laughs> right. Yeah, I well, And it was sort of it was sort of on in the back when we when I realized there was skateboarding in the movie. We were we were we just sort of had it on as background noise. And we, we found ourselves like we had to we had to change I think we had to change it because we were both distracted by it because it's just every scene. It's one of those movies that does work. It hangs together a series of almost sketches with it, but it hangs together with a plot. And even as just a something happening in the background, like you can't take your eyes off it. Every scene, the barbershop scene is so funny. The, the, the scene in the nightclub when they're, they're sort of trying to meet different perspective mates is so funny and Arsenio Hall completely holds his own. It's weird because Arsenio Hall, after this movie, he did the talk show. And but then he kind of disappeared from movies. Yeah. Like, and the talk show was huge for a very short period of time. Um, but he's very good in this movie. He's not as good as Eddie Murphy, but Eddie Murphy is like like a once in a decade. Yeah, like who's as good as Eddie Murphy? That's 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 not that's not even a fair comparison. Yeah, that's not a knock on anyone. Right. But Arsenio Hall's great in this. Like most most of the cast, I think, is phenomenal. Louis Anderson. I for completely forgot that Louis Anderson is in that movie, and he's so funny. Hello. Hi. You know, I started on cleanup just like you guys, but now. See, I'm washing lettuce. Soon I'll be on fries, then the grill. A year or two, I make assistant manager. And that's where the big bucks start rolling in. Just two years, eh? I had read that the studio mandate, like Paramount mandated, 
that there had to be they had to have a white comedian in some role to get funding for this movie and paramount gave them a list and eddie murphy i think and arsenio hall decided to go with louis anderson because they liked his stand-up right but he's he's really funny in it this there's a lot of people who kind of show up in this movie who go on to much greater things samuel l jackson shows up as someone who tries to rob mcdowell's um cuba gooding jr is the customer in the barbershop chair uh jake steinfeld who went on to market the ab rocker in the late 90s <laughs> plays a cab driver who's uh the, the 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 other love interest is was on er for like a dozen years right eric lasalle i can appreciate the way you handled that dude with the gun i would have helped you out myself uh, except well i had a cup of coffee in my hand you understand right eric lasalle uh yeah was on er for a few years and i i think Everyone in this movie is good. Maybe the point is that what you brought up about, you know, the difference between Eddie Murphy and in in Beverly Hills Cop versus the Eddie Murphy in this movie, it's maybe at this point Eddie Murphy as an actor had learned to like listen a little bit and allow people to have a little bit of you know their own space in the in the narrative, and it works because it's like everyone is is great. Well, he, he he allowed people to have their own space in the narrative, but he also would play these really outlandish side characters under a lot of makeup. You know, he plays the barber at the barbershop. He plays right. the the old man at the barbershop, the old white man at the barbershop, and where he looks unrecognizable, where if they didn't say at the end of the movie that that was Eddie Murphy, I don't think people would know. It's wrong. It's a soup too cold. Will you just taste the soup? All right, I'll taste the soup. Where's the spoon? Aha! Uh-huh. What do you know from funny, you bastard? Like the the it is that the, that is an astounding makeup job. It, it really is. It the the illusion is complete. It works astoundingly well. Yeah, and then there's a kid who rides a skateboard. I've been thinking a lot, Kevin, about uh uh. You know, we've watched a lot of movies where there's very very little skateboarding, but just enough to do a do an episode. And I've been thinking a lot about just the, the like how how the 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 casting or how the how it works where they where do they decide to make the decision to have a a kid on a skateboard versus like roller skates or a BMX bike or whatever it is. And I I haven't quite arrived at a at a at a at a theory yet, but I think it's just that. Who doesn't want to see a kid on a skateboard? Like a, a skateboard is a cheap toy that almost every kid at this point we've we, we've watched a lot of movies like right at the tail end of the of the eighties, where I feel like a skateboard was ubiquitous enough that every kid probably had one leaning against the wall of their bedroom, and so that becomes the sort of like the the conveyance of choice. Uh, I also touched on the fact on the big episode that skateboarding is cool. Yes. And I, I think there's a few other things. I think uh, it doesn't. It's not as bulky as a BMX bike. A BMX bike is going to take up a lot of screen space. It right. gets it gets the kid in and out for the gag very quickly without having them having to run. Right. So, so the kids on the skateboard in this movie, uh, basically, Akeem and Semi, the characters played by Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall, have left the nation of Zamunda because uh, Akeem has been set up to have an arranged marriage and he wants to marry someone for love. 
And so he tells his father he's going to sell to sow his royal oats, but he actually is going to uh, Queens, which, as I mentioned in the intro, is uh, where one would go to find a woman fit to marry a king, which I then and now I thought was a fantastic joke. It's a perfect gag. I intend to find my bride. What is wrong with the one you have now? When you saw her tell me you did not want to rip her clothes off right then and there. I want a woman that's going to arouse my intellect as well as my loins. Where will you find such a woman? In America. And they have a ton of luggage because they're very, very, uh, Akeem especially, is incredibly wealthy to the point where he doesn't understand lack of wealth to a point. And so they just leave all of their luggage outside while they're talking to the landlord, uh, played by Frankie Faison, who went on to play Commissioner Burrell on The Wire. And... It's all taken, and then over the next few scenes that take place over the next couple of days, you just see everyone they come across, like in this on the street of Queens, including the kid on the skateboard, sort of decked out in Zamundan finery. Come back, thief! Simmy, Simmy, let him go. But those things belong to us. Yeah, we're well rid of those material things. Let them wear our princely robes. We're in New York now. Let us dress as New Yorkers. Akeem is sort of like, you know, well, we don't need these material things. Like, that's not why we're here. We need to focus on the mission, which is to find myself a bride. Um, and I, I feel like this movie kind of harkens back to the kind of uh, romantic fantasy. Uh, it's not really a fantasy, but I, I think it is a fairy tale, like kind of fairy tale style movies of like the 1930s, um, which I think is something Landis especially like would do. Because uh, Landis, who directed Trading Places, is uh, heavily indebted, I think, to 30s screwball comedies. Uh, American Werewolf in London, you know, is obviously in some ways paying homage to the Wolfman movie. Right. And I think with this one, it also has kind of that old school Hollywood feel, um, which I think Eddie Murphy, who I think had been studying film, like liked about it. It's, it's telling that when he was in a position to call all the shots, he decided, uh, I want John Landis directing this. Cause I think he had fun working on trading places with him. Um, and he and Landis apparently did not get along at all during the making of this movie. Um, really? They apparently got like, they got into a physical altercation. I don't think it was anything serious, but like after, after the movie was done in a press conference, Eddie Murphy, uh, you know, they, someone asked him if you would, if he would work with John Landis again, And he said, Vic Morrow has a better chance of working with Landis than I do. And Vic Morrow's the actor who died in the helicopter accident during the making of the Twilight Zone movie segment that that Landis directed. That's rough. (laughs) Like, that is a, that is, and this was not that long after that. Like, this was, that was vicious. That's a killer line, but man, is that unnecessary. That is, that is, um, and, and yet, uh, a few like maybe six years later they worked together on beverly hills cop three the uh least good beverly hills cop movie <laughs> it's yeah they they there's diminishing returns on those films for sure uh not every movie needs a sequel <laughs> speaking of not every movie needing a sequel there's a sequel to this movie that came out i think last year yeah yeah um which i, I you know uh someone mentioned to me like it's 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 exorcist two levels of poor quality of the sequel in relation to the original film 
Yeah, it's it's I the I think the only the only positive thing that I could say about it was that I went into it uh with very little expectations and those expectations were met. You know, like it was like ah, this is a movie I've watched. I'll never watch it again. It was sort of unnecessary. They just sort of rolled out the yes, they're gonna revisit the barbershop, and yes, they're gonna, and then you know, Louis Louis Anderson is gonna have his return scene and yeah i don't know i don't remember anything about the plot other than eh, it didn't offend me but i also was like well that this was unnecessary and i'll never need to see it again here's a bunch of characters somehow the old man played by eddie murphy is still alive because he wanted to play that yes. character again 35 years later <laughs> i don't know in in the original coming to america i remember thinking and still thinking that the whole uh, McDowell's restaurant where they're constantly worried about people from McDonald's coming and trying to document it to sue them was really funny. Me and the McDonald's people, we got this little misunderstanding. Hmm? See, they're McDonald's. I'm McDowell's. Huh? They got the golden arches. Mine is the golden arcs. <laughs> now see, they got the Big Mac, I got the Big Mick. We both got two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, and onions. But they use a sesame seed bun. My buns have no seeds. The whole thing, every it's it's one of those very charming, very funny, you know, uh, uh, very well executed movies. See me look. There she is. I'm going to talk to her. Good. Tell her you sent her the $500,000 pair of earrings, then she will fall into your arms, and we can leave this godforsaken place. Oh, no, I cannot do that. Do something. Do not worry, I have a plan. I like the idea of setting it in Queens, where it, where it wasn't, you know, there's a lot, I think there's a lot of mileage you can get out of how how sort of brutal, you know, like, New York City life can be. Winter time in Queens, New York has its own sort of special kind of bleakness, but you know, like like a recognizable sort of worldview that that struck me as as a as a as a good choice. Yeah, and it wasn't as cartoonish as say, like we had, you know, in Big last week, which was made the same year as this. And we almost never do movies back to back from the same year. Um, but you know, the, the scenes in sort of like the rough parts of Manhattan in big were cartoonishly over the top. And I felt like in here, right. like it wasn't, it wasn't quite that, you know, obviously like right. every, like seven, 17 suitcases being robbed in, in a couple of seconds is probably not something that's going to happen. But overall, I think, uh, they tried to create like a world that people live in. Um, and you know, it's, it's full of like wacky characters, like the people in the barbershop and, you know, uh, Arsenio Hall's reverend character who loves the Lord. Well, you see, I love the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? I love the Lord. And if loving the Lord is wrong, I don't want to be right. There's, I have very, very few complaints about this movie. It was fantastic to watch from beginning to end i thought there were uh, like a ton of 
a ton of nice touches. I think the romantic scenes worked as romantic scenes. The funny scenes worked as funny scenes. Uh, sometimes they were both. I really liked how it played, paid homage to, like, say, Singing in the Rain, where Eddie Murphy's, like, sort of hanging off a street lamp like Gene Kelly is. I liked everything about this movie. And I know this movie got, like, got kind of middling reviews when it came out, but I think... I think sometimes critics just don't like comedy that is, you know, on the broad side. Like they, they like things that are a little more witty and urbane. And I think this movie is not afraid to go for the belly laugh. Right. I agree. Well, I but I also think it, it's got a lot of like, it's got, it's, it's, it's a comedy, but it does, it does. It has a lot of heart, you know, like I, I like, it's fun that to watch Eddie Murphy sort of dial back the, he, you know, there's very little cursing, for example, in the movie. But when they use, when they do curse, it's used to a really funny effect. I was howling, laughing at the scene where he's standing on the, on the the fire escape, saying "Good morning," and everybody screaming at him. He's like, "Yes, fuck you too!" Like that is such a a perfect use of the f word. It, it's such an economical use of the f word. The way that he hits. The, the F word of that scene is is it's like somebody who's u- learned how to use a swear uh, where exactly. you know, I think in earlier incarnations of Eddie Murphy, maybe it was like he used it like fireworks. And in that scene, it was like more like just this like perfect period at the end of a sentence. Yeah. And this, this movie was rated R, um, but I feel like it is at heart a PG movie. Oh, yeah. It feels very PG to me. Like, uh, at first I was sort of like, I think I can watch Coming to America with my daughter. I bet she'd like it. It's romantic and fun. But then I looked at it and there's a few scenes where I'm like, nah, like, and I think they threw those scenes in just to get the R rating because that's what people expected out of an Eddie Murphy film. Where are you going? To a museum with a cane. No, I, I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. What's wrong with the cane? Lisa, you told me yourself. He's a goat herder. Why don't you marry Daryl? He dresses real nice, treats you real good. You only like Daryl because he's rich. Lisa, I just don't want you to have to struggle the way your mother and I did. John Amos is Cleo McDonald. Like, obviously, you know, there's a huge stretch of the film where he doesn't want his daughter dating Akeem because he thinks he's a goat herder. And on the one hand, you know, obviously in any romantic comedy, you're rooting against the characters who are in the way of the two lovers getting together. On the other hand, you're like, okay, well, this is a dad who wants what's best for his daughter. So he's trying to push her towards Eric LaSalle, even though Eric LaSalle's kind of a jerk. Um, So it's like he's misguided, but for like not terrible reasons. And, and then, and then eventually, and then it eventually gets to the point where, you know, uh, King Jaffe Jofer, you know, makes a disparaging comment about his daughter. And at that point, all bets are off. I know you have been inconvenienced and I'm prepared to compensate you. Shall we say one million American dollars? No way. Very well then, two million. You haven't got enough money to buy my daughter off. Nonsense. Joffy, apologize to Mr. McDowell. I will do no such thing. The man is beneath me and so is his daughter. I don't give a damn who you are. This is America, Jack. Now you say one more word about Lisa here, and I'm gonna break my foot off in your royal ass. Did you see the Dolomite film? I I felt like that was Eddie Murphy, a very solid return 
for Eddie Murphy. He played the character with so much sort of pathos. And he was like, it was like such a, it was like a sweet movie. And I really enjoyed, it was like, it was one of the, it's the first time I think I've enjoyed an Eddie Murphy movie, possibly since coming to America. Well, it's interesting because I feel like Eddie Murphy has had a very interesting career where he sort of, he it's, there's been a lot of ups and downs. And I think yeah. af- after coming to America, he maybe started flying a little too close to the sun. I think after this movie, he did uh, Harlem Nights, which I think he wrote, directed, produced, like he did everything on it. And it was not successful, I think, either artistically or commercially. Right. Yeah, he's he's been in a lot of pretty terrible movies. I remember watching I remember watching Boomerang a lot because it was just always on cable and thinking that movie had its moments that were astoundingly funny. I think Boomerang was an interesting movie. I think that was uh the first uh, th- that was an attempt like this one to kind of do something in sort of a classic romantic leading man vein and obviously uh I think there's very funny stuff with John Witherspoon. Who, right. who we watched in Friday. But he never really did a movie like Boomerang after that. I think Boomerang did pretty well at the box office. But I remember after Boomerang, he did, uh, I think, Vampire in Brooklyn. And then he did, uh, I think, Beverly Hills Cop 3. And he was kind of on a downslide in the early to mid-90s. And I, and yeah. I think uh, that that's around the time when David Spade made that joke on Saturday Night Live along the lines of... Like, look, children, a falling star, uh, which resulted in Eddie Murphy, like, refusing to appear on the show for years. He was angry. <laughs> um, but then, you know, he had this career resurgence with the Nutty Professor and then started doing these kind of wackier uh, sort of films where he's like, like it started in Coming to America, where he's playing a bunch of different characters in heavy makeup. And those were very successful. And he did those for a bit, and he was doing the animated voices in Shrek and Mulan. Um, and then he, you know, he did a few movies that people didn't like for for a while. He did like Pluto Nash. Well, and, Pluto Nash is the the headline of that of that yeah. story. <laughs> Pluto Nash and other films that were not quite as unsuccessful as Pluto Nash, but in the ballpark. Uh, and then you know, he kind of came back again, like, like with the Dolomite movie you mentioned. And he's, it's an, he's, he's not someone I think can be counted out, but I also think sometimes he does not make the best choices. Did you read the story um, about the Saturday Night Live? Was it the 40th or 50th anniversary special that Norm MacDonald wrote on Twitter? No, I, I don't even think it's up on Twitter anymore, but basically there was that big Saturday Night Live 40th anniversary special. I think the show had mended fences with Eddie Murphy enough that he agreed to appear on it. But that show was like all new sketches. And Norm MacDonald was working on a Celebrity Jeopardy sketch. And they wanted Eddie Murphy to appear in it briefly as Bill Cosby. Because as I don't think we've noted on this podcast yet... But usually whenever anyone does a Bill Cosby impression, they're actually doing an impression of Eddie Murphy doing an impression of Bill yes. Cosby. Because Eddie Murphy's impression of Bill Cosby in Raw is so good that people just suddenly started doing that. I was all excited to talk to Bill and picked up the telephone and Bill got raw on me. I was like, hello, Mr. Cosby. And you hear, I would like to talk to you. 
some of the things that you do in your show. And Eddie Murphy sort of realized how funny that would be and how much the audience would react to it, but then decided not to because he's like, I don't want to get into it with Bill or whatever. And uh, Keenan Thompson wound up playing it. But it's it's interesting how Eddie Murphy like doesn't want to be as cutting as uh, say the man who made the comment about John Landis has a better chance of working with Vic Morrow. Um, Which shows, I guess, a, a a sort of an evolution of character, I suppose, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think he's mellowed in his own age. Although if, if anyone maybe uh, is deserving of that treatment, it's it's Bill Cosby. Yeah, definitely. In these days. <laughs> sure. Um, and then when Eddie Murphy came back to host SNL, he killed. He was so funny. He was unbelievable. He was, the, the sketch where he's on the news it was like an eyewitness at Santa's and like the North Pole. Yes, playing, that's right. Yeah, an elf. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that, that was fantastic. My friends are still in there. Girl, they dead. <laughs> Where's Santa? That's what I want to know. Santa's supposed to be here and he's nowhere to be found. Christmas is canceled. No, no, it's not. No, it is not. Please do not announce that, sir. Uh, but thanks for the info. What was your name again? It don't matter what my name is. Here's my question for you, Michael. Do you think this is Eddie Murphy's best movie? How about this? I, on the spot right now, I certainly can't think. I mean, maybe the original Beverly Hills Cop, but it's fu- it's funny because you bring up the idea. It's such a different, there's such different versions of Eddie Murphy. If someone were to ask, like, why was this person so popular in the 1980s? I would show them Beverly Hills Cop. But I think Beverly Hills Cop is a movie where, you know, Eddie Murphy's in basically every scene yeah and he's fantastic but nothing else in the movie is as good as him right yeah it's it's basically it's like it, it's almost like a stand-up special yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah like when he hosted saturday night live it's the eddie murphy show right whereas i think coming to america is maybe not as indicative of what people loved about him but i think it's a better movie yeah it's certainly I I can't think of a better one. America is great indeed. Imagine a country so free, one can throw glass on the street. So, like, in summation, I would say I definitely recommend that you check out Coming to America. Agreed. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I think if you, like, kind of remember it fondly, it is worth revisiting. It is worth watching from the beginning and not... I, people don't watch cable anymore but not stumbling across on cable but it's like it's a it's a really it's a really great example i think of an 80s comedy that is both funny and sweet and uh man i just loved it it's, yeah. it's nice to like watch a movie for this podcast and be like i just loved it um because you know big i had problems with <laughs> yeah i thought it was pretty good but I don't really have a lot of complaints about this one. You know, I I don't love it as much as Pee Wee's Big Adventure, but Pee Wee's Big Adventure is, uh, as, as you mentioned, the greatest film ever made by yeah. human beings. Yeah, it's so. there's very there's not a lot of things that can can really hold a candle. It's an unfair comparison. Thank you for listening. Our website is gleamingthetube.net. We're on Facebook at Gleaming the Tube. And our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com. Production assistance by Liam Gray. Music by Kissing Contest. Skateboarding is not a crime. Skateboarding is not a crime.